scripture, which is taken from Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws of the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord our God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Last summer after we finished our series on movies, somebody came up to me and said, next year you should do musicals. And I said, well, I'm not the hugest fan of musicals. Like I like some, but I'm not the one that has like the Broadway songs on my car all the time. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that churches here are the places that people often get the first opportunities to express their creative gifts. They get invited to sing in the choir or as part of the worship band. If you watch any of the singing shows like American Idol or The Voice, oftentimes they'll start by saying, I grew up singing in church. Because this is a safe community of friends and family who want to support people's gifts. For me, it was playing bass. Never played bass before, never played guitar before. Somebody walked up to me because they needed a bass player at church and said, you should play bass. I was like, what? I had a good friend that says, ah, it's easy, I'll teach you. Okay. He sat down, taught me some of the basics, and then once... I started to play in the worship band. There was a lady, much like Linda, who played the organ. And she walked me through some of the basics of being in a worship band and what it meant to support the band and play music. So it was at church, in the relationships that I had there, that that gift was supported. And then I was given an opportunity to express that gift. So it's here at church that the first signs of those talents will end up 
in musicals, end up on stages performing. It's here at church that those are seen, developed, and offered a safe place to grow, which led directly to our desire to not only preach on musicals, but to put on a musical. So you'll see on the tables outside, there's these little business card-looking things for Godspell that we are doing. I would invite you to take a couple to invite your friends and family, your neighbors, whoever, to come see us putting this on at the end of the month on the 26th and 27th. Because I wanted to not just talk about musicals, but to actually do one. And once we came up with the idea of like, hey, let's do it, I said, yeah, we can get kids and adults and people who have gifts and get to express them in a way here at church that's safe. We get to bless the community by expressing those gifts. Let's take what we actually talk about on a Sunday and do it. Sounds crazy, right? To actually do what we say. So people can see what we believe. People can see and understand that we support gifts. We support singing. We support musicals and drama and culture and the creative arts. That actually putting into practice what we believe is a very important part of the musical that I want to talk about today. Putting into action our beliefs, how we live our day-to-day lives, what we do here on a Sunday, how that changes how we live once we walk out from here. So Fiddler on the Roof. Who's familiar with Fiddler on the Roof? thought I'd see a few hands this morning. This musical, if you're familiar with it, centers on the main character, Tevya, and his family. He is a poor milkman. He's married to his wife, Golda, and he has five daughters. This is mine, and this is mine. His daughters, Zidal, Hodel, Shava, Sprinza, and Bilka. And with the help of this tight-knit Jewish community of the town they live in, Tevya tries to protect his daughters and his family and instill them with the traditional values. And if you watch it, you'll see that those traditional values come up against the changing society, especially around the ideas of marriage. And asking Tevya, having Tevya be involved in the marriage, and rather his daughters find other men that they love and that they fall in love with and they want to get married. Also, in the, in the musical, it comes up against the, there's this growing like anti-Semitism in the town. That this tight-knit Jewish community, there's the group outside that's starting to act out against them. And how are their traditions going to keep them safe or keep them protected, protected with this growing anger and resentment against their community? The opening scene of this musical really sets the stage for the whole thing. So, you're probably familiar with this, but let's watch the opening. A fiddler on the roof. Sounds crazy, huh? But here... In our little village of Anatevka, you might say every one of us is a fiddler on the roof, trying to scratch out a pleasant, simple tune without breaking his neck. 
isn't easy. You may ask, why do we stay up there if it's so dangerous? Well, we stay because Anatevka is our home. And how do we keep our balance? That I can tell you in one word. Tradition! Tradition. It's one of the most important themes in the whole musical. How do they keep their balance in this world? And they're trying to eke out a living not only by farming and their basic life, but when things are changing and the world around them seems to be coming against them. I think we even wrestle with this today, right? Things are rapidly changing, it feels like. How do we hold to our traditions, our old traditions, when things seem to be changing around us faster than we can keep up with? When we seem to be finding resistance to even saying who we are and what we believe in, how do we maintain these traditions and what's important to us? The main point that I hope we'll get to today through the scripture and through understanding this musical is this. That our tradition can help guide us and ground us through joy and difficulty. However, traditions exercised without gospel love are empty at best and hurtful at worst. Our tradition can help guide us and ground us through joy and difficulty. However, traditions exercised without gospel love are empty at best and hurtful to our neighbors or others at worst. So the reading, of, the reading today from Deuteronomy chapter 6 is one of the foundational scriptures in all of Jewish life. It sets kind of the base note, the baseline, if you will, for everything that's supposed to define a Jewish life. Now when we talk about traditions, I don't know if you're like me, but whenever you go over and visit somebody's house, you knock on the door, and then they open the door, kind of take a little look around, right? What kind of house is this? What do they do here? What are the traditions? Is this like a shoes off or a shoes on kind of house? Do the coats go by the door? Or are they going somewhere else? Is this going to be like a formal hosting experience? Did I dress appropriately? Or is this more of a laid back kind of situation? What's on display? What pictures do they have? What pieces of art do they have? I like to look at the books. What books do they read? What's important in this household? Traditions are those actions and things that we do that define us in our everyday life. What's important to you? What do you do every day? What defines who you are? It signifies those special moments in your life. What's important? And here in Deuteronomy, as God is setting here these rules before the Israelites, he's setting them up for them before they enter the land of Canaan. After they've been wandering around in the desert for 40 years, they arrive at the Jordan River. God stops them and starts speaking through Moses saying, let me remind you of everything you've learned. Everything you heard at Mount Sinai, everything you've learned these 40 years, 
let's stop for a second and remind you before you enter the land, before you walk through the door, if you will. This is what God wants the Israelites to carry with them. He's giving them the house rules, the traditions that they are supposed to participate in and take with them as they enter into the land. Now, traditions have a lot of benefits. For me, growing up, it was simply this. Going to church on Sunday was one of the biggest traditions my family had. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That was, our, that was basically our rotation for a long time. And it was such an important tradition for my family that if there were sports or events that happened on Sunday or on Wednesday night, I didn't get to do them. Because church was the focus for my family. I remember trying out for baseball. And then my mom found out that practices were going to be on Wednesday night. Nope, sorry, can't do baseball. What? I played soccer a lot. Played on teams. And growing up, soccer had like weekend tournaments, Saturday and Sunday. I could play the Saturday games, but I never played the Sunday games. Because coming to church was the most important thing for my family. Thankfully, and probably through some grace of God, I never held much of a grudge about that. I was always happy to be at church, to be a part of a community. And I wanted other people to experience that. So as a kid, I created this scheme in my head that I would invite friends to stay over Saturday night so that they had to come to church with us on Sunday. It eh, worked sometimes. I actually had one friend that said, can you not ask me over on Saturday night because I really don't want to go to church on Sunday with you. Like, okay, fine, I get it. This was actually uh, expressed itself really interestingly when in high school I participated in a foreign exchange program. For uh, I got to go to Germany. But before I went, we got our foreign exchange students that came and lived with us for a little while. And we told them, hey, tomorrow we're going to go to church. Their faces went like white. What? They had this picture of church that was like boring and they just sat there and they didn't know what they were going to experience. They were afraid. But then we took them into our church They saw the band. They heard some good music. It was lively. We walked out of the church service and they said, can we videotape that? Can we take it back to tell other people what your church is like? It's like, oh, okay. But that tradition of going and being a part of a community and wanting to share that community with others was something that my parents instilled in me from the very beginning. Benefits of traditions are that they give us a sense of stability. In the reading today, in verses 2 through 3, it says, so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. Traditions give us this sense of predictability and rhythms. If we know what's coming, we can generally have an idea of what to predict. It's often been said that if we know Sunday is coming, we can often weather other hardships throughout the week. 
If we know that we will see friends here who care about us and will pray for us, we can be excited to go no matter what our experience has been that week. Our reading plan. If we know that we have an opportunity to hear from God every day, when those moments it feels like God is quiet and not talking to us, we know that we can go to the Word and we have an opportunity to hear from God on a daily basis. Traditions also are helpful for meaning-making, basically making things important in our lives. Often we can just start going through the motions and just feel like none of this really matters. None of this is important. Why do I keep waking up and doing the same stuff over and over again? But traditions help us to consecrate, to make holy or to make sacred things that may seem otherwise mundane. Simply praying before a meal, taking an opportunity to stop and thank God for the blessing of this meal makes the meal special. You're recognizing that this is an important thing to do because God has provided you with food. God has blessed you. This communion meal that we will celebrate together, like I say, in its elements, it's just bread and and grape juice. But when we gather together here to celebrate this meal, when we speak the words over it as a community, when we remember what Jesus has done for us, and when this serves as a reminder of Jesus' presence here with us, it becomes more. It becomes important. It becomes special. It becomes sacred. After we experience our miscarriage, I knew I needed to go to church. But I didn't want to go to the church I was regularly going to because I knew people were going to ask me a lot of questions. I didn't really want to deal with that. So I looked up some churches in the area and I opted to go to this Episcopal church that was in downtown Sacramento because I knew a couple things were going to happen there. One, I'd be at church. Like I said, that was the important thing for me. The other thing was I didn't want to really work a lot I had some grief I was dealing with. I didn't want to put in a lot of effort. And I knew at the Episcopal service, the priest would carry me through that service. He would say the words. He would read from Scripture. The people there would support me. And then when I was going up for communion, I would be served. I would be offered the opportunity to receive. So those traditions at that moment in my life held me at a time when I was grieving and I was hurting, and I needed something to uplift me. Also, our traditions serve as an example to the wider world. When others see us participate in our traditions, they may ask why we do them. Why do you go to church every Sunday? Why do you not just sleep in and chill out at home? Why do you pray before a meal? Why do you not do these other things that everybody else seems to be doing and having fun with. When, we, when our traditions serve as examples, we get to share what we're about, what's important to us. And hopefully then we have an opportunity to tell them, hey, why don't you try this out? Why don't you come and see? Come and see why this is important to me, why it makes a difference in my life. 
Like I said, our traditions can help guide us and ground us through joy and through difficulty. And celebrating traditions and honoring them has a lot of benefits. This is true. But they can very quickly and easily be distorted. I don't know if you've heard this story before. I'm pretty sure somebody at this church shared this story with me. But there was this girl who was watching her mom bake a ham. And she noticed that as her mom was baking ham, that she cut off kind of the ends of the ham. She's like, Mom, why do you you cut the ends off the ham? Why do we not eat the whole thing? And her mom was like, "Ah, I'm not sure. I think it helps soak up the juices or something. But that's just the way my mom always did it, so that's the way I do it. Maybe Maybe you call Grandma and see what she says. So the little girl said, all right, call Grandma. Grandma! Mom's cooking a ham. She cut the ends off. Why do, you do, why, why do you do that? She says, you did it. Does it help soak up the juices? Grandma says, I'm, I'm not really sure. I do, did cut the ends off, but that's the way my mom did it. So you're going to have to ask great-grandma. Thankfully, great-grandma was still around, so the little girl called great-grandma and said, great-grandma, mom's cooking a ham. She cut the ends off of it. She says, that's the way... Grandma did it, and Grandma said, that's the way you do it. Does it help soak up the juices? How does it help with the baking? Great-grandma says, oh, yeah, I I totally cut the ends off, but my pan was too small. (laughs) Ham wouldn't fit in the pan. We can get easily misguided in our traditions and the things that we do, and we can get lured into doing them for unknown reasons or for the wrong reasons. Shortly after the the opening clip, Tevye starts talking about the traditions that they do in the town, and then he says this. You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. There's a lot of things that they're doing just because they're doing, and that's because they taught them. And how did this tradition get started? Ah, I don't know. It's just what we've been doing. Even the Israelites, after they got into the land and they built the temple and they had the kingdom under David and Solomon, they continued to keep all of these traditions that God had instructed them, but they lost sight of the reasons. They started worshiping other gods. They started doing whatever they felt like, but they thought as long as I keep up doing this stuff, then God's going to keep liking me and God's going to keep blessing us. But they had gone so far off the deep end and still continued to maintain their traditions that even God said, those traditions mean nothing to me. In the prophet Amos in chapter 5, God says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Offerings, sacrifices, music, stuff God had asked them and and asked them to do. He says, I don't want any of it. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. You've missed 
why I've asked you to do those in the beginning. When we forget the source of our traditions, God, and the reason for them, God's saving work in our lives, they get drained of their meaning and power in our lives and get drained of their ability to affect other people around us positively. When they become empty, traditions become dangerous. Often they can be used against those of us who may, those around us who may not follow the same traditions and things that we do, or they may misunderstand them. In the musical, there's this character of the constable. He's like the policeman in town, very imposing, always comes in on a horse usually. He's always the one who's just following the rules. He's working for the Russian government, doing whatever they tell him without questioning, even though often it hurts the Jewish community that he's known for a long time and he has, seems to have respect for Tevye. Without love and without meaning, traditions can lead easily to having suspicion for others. We may begin assuming wrong motives against those who don't follow our traditions and who don't act and look like us. There's this line the constable says when he tries to give Tevye a heads up that some bad stuff's coming. He says, I'm giving this news because I like you. You're a decent, honest person, even though you're a Jew. And Tevye's like, is that a compliment? Like, I don't, what am I supposed to do with that? Even though you're a Jew. Even though you're somebody I shouldn't like. Or there's this thing against you that I'm not sure I can fully buy into. I'm still suspicious of you. Traditions devoid of love or the reasoning can lead to oppression. Without love, we may not just be suspicious. We begin seeing other people almost not as people because they don't fit in and do the same things we do. A crowd led by the constable in the musical comes in during Tevye's daughter's wedding. At the end of it, they show up with clubs and with torches. And they start throwing things off the table. They start knocking people over. They destroy the presents that were given to the daughter for her wedding. Treating them badly. Treating the Jewish community wrongly and justifying it just because they're Jews. Earlier in the play, one of the government officials calls them Christ killers. Just because of who they are, they think the, Roman go- the Russian government thinks they can treat them wrongly. And I think at its worst, when traditions lose love and lose any reason behind them, they can leave to strong divisions, even like racism. The constable shows up at the end with the Russian government order that forces the Jewish community to leave their town says, can you sell your house and all the things you have in three days? Because the government says you have to leave. There's troublemakers about. But what's interesting that it isn't just actions happening to to the Jewish community in the musical, where these separations really start to show up. Even with Tevye, even within the Jewish community, his daughter Hava falls in love with and marries somebody that is not a Jew. He's a Christian. 
They go get married in the church. When the daughter says she's falling in love with this man, Tevye says, who says that he isn't a man? It's just that he's a different kind of man. As the good book says, each shall seek his own kind, which translated means a bird may love a fish, but where would they build a home together? I'm not sure that's what that passage means. But because they're Jewish, and this gentleman is not Jewish, Tevye is coming up with reasons why they can't be together, why they have to remain separate, why he's something else. And like I said, they get married in a church. Tevye will then go so far as to say, my daughter is dead to me. My daughter is dead to me. Because he feels like she is so far out of this tradition. He's lost all love for his family, for his daughter. Sometimes when our traditions are held so tightly and we've lost the reason for them, we've lost any sight of God in them, we've lost any love in them, we can hurt those who are the closest to us. Traditions can be empty at best and hurtful to our neighbors and those around us at worst without gospel love. The most important passage of this section is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the most important command, like I said, in all of the scripture for the Jewish community. This is called the Shema, which is Hebrew for hear, which is how the verse opens. Hear, O Israel. This verse is said every morning in Jewish communities. When asked what is the greatest commandment, Jesus says, yes, this one, but there's also one just like it. He pulls from Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, Jesus takes and connects it with love your neighbor. At the center of both of these commands is this idea of love. Gregory of Nyssa, one of the early church fathers, says, If one does not love God with all his heart, with all his soul, how can he care wholesomely for the love of his brothers, since he is not fulfilling the love of the one on whose account he has a care for, the love of his brothers? He basically says, how can you, if you don't have love for God, how can you love your brother and your neighbor? You have to have your traditions founded and based in this love of God that's going to overflow in your love for neighbor. Love isn't just an emotion or feeling in Scripture. It's not just this warm fuzzy that God wants you to have on the inside towards Him and towards those around us. It's always connected with an action. Tradition. It has to have something connected to it, something that you do. Love in Scripture has to have an action. You might say that we need to have a tradition of love. Paul, very famously in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, 
He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You can almost, if you'd allow me to switch the words a little bit, it could say, if I follow all the rules and do everything just right, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I'm not founded in love, if the traditions and the things we do aren't based in love, they're going to be shaky ground. Grounded in love, these traditions can remain a firm foundation and a steady guide for all we do. Even though Tevya had said, my daughter is dead to me, and he didn't want to acknowledge the marriage and didn't want them in relationship, at the very end of the musical, when his daughter and husband come back hoping for some kind of restoration. Really quietly, Tevya is able to finally get out. God be with you as they walk off. He finally gets to the point where he realizes that love is the most important thing and he is able to bless them. He's able to send them off, his daughter and her husband, with the blessings of God be with you. Now the blessing and these foundations aren't going to lead to a carefree life as I think the musical explains very well. But we are able to say that God bless you, that it can be a blessed life. One of the more heartbreaking scenes for me in the musical is in the end, the one that just snuck up there was when they've been asked to leave and the rabbi goes into the synagogue and he starts to take out the Torah scroll and the other books that he has and he stops for a second and he looks around the room at the tradition that's in the room. There's Hebrew writing on the walls. There's the stories from the Bible on the walls. And you can tell that it's hard for him to leave that building, but he knows what's most important. He's taking God's word with him. He's taking God's promises with him that wherever those go with him, wherever those go with the community, their traditions have meaning. It's not the building, it's not the writing on the walls, it's not necessarily that space, but it's the foundation of God's love expressed in his word and how God has stayed true through all of time for the Jewish community and for us to this day. At the end of Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John, when he's gathering his disciples before he's about to head to the cross, he says, As my Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that my joy and that your joy may be complete. Abide in my commandments and you will abide in my love. Commandments, love, traditions, love. Jesus knows that this is the most important thing for his disciples, especially in this moment when it's going to seem like all has gone dark. When Jesus is on the cross, when they're not sure where Jesus is, that they need to remain in his commandments and remain in his love. Jesus sets us an example that love and following commandments, traditions, goes hand in hand. And this is also expressed through all of Jesus' life, all the way up to his death on the cross. 
Following God, keeping his commandments and loving him means giving all that we have in our lives for God and for others. And balancing those two traditions and love is necessary, but it's not always easy. Like Tevye opens at the beginning, every one of us is a fiddler on the roof trying to scratch out a simple, pleasant tune without breaking his neck. And he's not just talking about the life that they're living, but the balance of keeping the traditions, but loving our neighbors, loving our family, loving those around us, while staying true to what God has asked us to do. The balance of playing what we know, doing what we know, sticking to the music while playing in a seemingly precarious spot and doing it all in love. Like I said, communion here, what we're about to partake, is one of the central traditions for us as Christians. You empty love from this table, it means nothing. It is just bread and wine or grape juice. Because we know that this table is offered to us in love. It's God's love for us expressed through Jesus. It's Jesus' love for us and his disciples expressed in this meal. It's Jesus offering himself to us in love. And us getting to participate in this meal and then offering that love to others. The early church, when they gathered, they had what they called agape feasts. Now, if you know Greek, agape is one of their words for love. And they would have huge meals, giant Presbyterian potlucks, if you will, (laughs) where people would bring food, and no matter what status you had in society, whether you were one of the richest people on the block or you were one of those people's servants, when you came to that meal, when you gathered around that table, in Christ, you were one. And it wasn't who you were or where you come from that defined you. It wasn't what you did this morning that defined you. It was that you were in Christ. You were a part of that community. You were gathered around this table because of love. You were celebrating this tradition because of love. And as long as we keep that in our minds, whatever we do for God, however we're called to live our lives when we're keeping our commandments, as long as we're doing them in love, we're doing everything that God has asked us to do. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbors as yourself. It's a new horizon, and I'm set on you. Meet me here today with mercies that are new. All my fears and doubts, oh, they can all come to, because they can't stay long when I'm here with you. It's a new horizon, and I'm set on you. Meet me here today with mercies that are new.